Welcome to Unfolding Words. I'm your host, and Tracy Moorings, and every week I come to share biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. Thank you for tuning in this week. We are in the middle of a study on the book of Ruth. If you haven't gotten your workbook yet, you can still purchase yours on Amazon.com. The book is called Harvest of Kindness, A Bible Study of Ruth by Antracia Moorings. And I'll leave a link in the show notes for easier access for you to buy that. And be sure to listen to last week's episode, week one of Ruth, so that you can get everything you need to get before going to chapter two. So we are going to dive right in. In chapter two, what looks like coincidences are really the sovereign hand of God. This chapter is called Divine Coincidence with a question mark because what happens is really the divine hand of God, but it looks like it's simply a coincidence. This chapter is overflowing with the kindness of God displayed through man. And this chapter ministers to me so much because it shows the heart of God and his character that he is so kind. And remember, this happens during the time of the judges when there was lawlessness and horrible things going on. But in Ruth, we see God's kindness. It's like there's a pause. And in this little snippet of their lives, the kindness of God is poured out. And it's interesting that the kindness centers around a foreigner, Ruth the Moabite. Now, people in Bethlehem know that Ruth is not from Israel, and the narrator continually refers to her as a Moabite in almost every single chapter. So the entrance of Ruth into the promised land and her worship of Yahweh reminds readers that God promised his blessing through Abraham to all families of the earth. So the heirs of God's promise would not only be those Israelites who were ethnically Jewish, it would be everyone. God made promises to Abraham that had global implications. So by faith in Christ, Gentiles are the offspring of Abraham and thus they're the heirs of the promise as well. We see this in Galatians chapter three. So just as the book of Ruth is a story of redemption and marriage, so is the gospel. The new covenant unites a multi-ethnic wife to Jesus. It's people made up of all tribes and ethnicities across the world. And Jesus takes them as a bride from among the nations. And the blood of Christ has taken those who are far off and brought them near to God. Now, we have to remember those of us who are Christians today, we often get a little haughty and think that we are the original ones that Jesus sought out. But we really are the Gentiles. We are the ones who are grafted in to that tree. So really, Jews are the ones who were the original Israelites. But the promise was to them first and through them, he would bless all of those in the world. So that includes us. So right there, that deserves a hallelujah and a praise Jesus. But this Gentile inclusion does not replace Israel. So just as Boaz's actions toward Ruth meant a blessing for Naomi, the inclusion of the Gentiles or the foreigners ensures that all of Israel would be saved. We see this in Romans chapter 11, verse 11 through verse 32. So what I love is that although Ruth is a foreigner, she's full of faith. So Ruth, the foreigner, has enough faith to trust that she would go and glean and find favor. So they came into the land of Bethlehem. It's during harvest time. 
and she has to provide for she and her mother-in-law, Naomi. So she says she's going to go into the fields and glean, and she says she's going to find favor. So Ruth takes the initiative to gather food for herself and Naomi. So biblical law required landowners to allow foreigners to come and glean in their land. So Ruth seems to have asked permission before gleaning, suggesting that not everyone who was poor or foreigner was allowed to glean, even though it was required by law, by God. So here's where we see the divine hand of God. God is all over this book. It doesn't say that Ruth went from field to field, knocking on doors, asking for work. Can I glean? Can you give me a job? Instead, she went out and happened to come to the field belonging to Boaz. That's providence right there. That's the hand of God. So when we first meet Boaz, the narrator says he's a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech. So ding, ding, ding. We should know Elimelech is from chapter one. He is the husband who passed away of Naomi. We learned that Elimelech's clan was in the tribal area of Judah. That's the royal line. And before it was a reference to an allotment of land or a tribe in the promised land, the name Judah was Jacob's son who received his father's blessing near the end of Genesis. Jacob said to him words that included allusions to there being kings in his line. He said in Genesis 49 and 10, when he gave him the blessing, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The tribe of Judah will one day be associated with royalty. So we have to keep that in mind as we read the book of Ruth. So in the generations after Boaz, we see that a king would come from the tribe of Judah. And a thousand years after David, there was a king who came. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. We see that Boaz belonged to the tribe of the royal Messiah. So although Boaz was a great man, which we see from these verses, the greatest man from Judah is still to come. So not only was he from the royal tribe, but the town that Boaz is from connects him to the future Messiah. Being from the clan of Elimelech, Boaz was from Bethlehem. And the opening chapter also said Elimelech's family were Ephrathites, which associated him with Bethlehem. And earlier in scripture, in Genesis 35 and 19, it says that Rachel was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And the prophet Micah prophesied in Micah 5 and 2, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be a ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Judah would be the tribe of the future king and Bethlehem would be his town. Now, Ruth seeks to work not just for herself, but for her mother-in-law. And Boaz takes notice of this. She has a great work ethic. He shows exceptional kindness toward her, and he informs her that she should only work in his fields. He shows concern for her safety, and he quietly tells his workers to keep an eye on her and make sure that Ruth is able to gather a good amount of grain. He also fed her. There's just so many acts of kindness in this chapter. 
So God, in his kindness, provided for Ruth before she even got to the land. In the book of Deuteronomy and in Leviticus, we see the law of Moses in action. So Ruth's actions are actually in line with scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 24 allots the leftovers of a harvest field as provision for the poor, including widows, which Ruth would qualify for. The harvesters were supposed to allow the poor to pick up the grain that fell during the harvesting process. But Boaz went above and beyond with the law required. Boaz told her to keep close to the young men until the end of the harvest. Remember, this is the time of the judges where violence is running rampant. So he does not want her to get harmed in any way. He told her to glean in his field only. He ordered the men not to touch her. He gave her provision for drink. And he fed her along with his reapers and let her take extra home. This was not provisions that were included in the law. This was just the kindness of Boaz. So when Ruth was surprised at all of the excessive kindness, Boaz explained that he was impressed because she had been so loyal and kind toward Naomi. So as a result, Ruth was able to gather not just what was missed or left behind, but Boaz gave her extra as well. This is so much evidence of his generosity. So Ruth, she's smart. She recognizes what Boaz is doing, that he's giving her favor, that same favor that she sought out when she said she was going to glean at the beginning of chapter two. She had hoped to find this favor and she received it but she didn't expect it on this level. That's just how good and kind God is. So as a result of not only her hard work, but her kindness to her mother-in-law, Boaz offers a blessing prayer of sorts on her behalf. He says, may Yahweh reward you. Ironically, Boaz himself can fulfill this wish. He can reward her and offer a covering for her, which we'll see later on. Boaz recognizes that Ruth has not only expressed a loyalty to Naomi, but to Yahweh, the God of Israel. That's very apparent to him. So in this context, when he offers his blessing in prayer, he speaks of the word wings. And the translation is a Hebrew word, kanephim. Let's hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So it commonly appears in the Old Testament. It's the image of finding shelter or refuge under God. And we see this a lot in the book of Psalms. It's scattered all throughout the book of Psalms. And it's a picture of the tender way that God shows love and care for his people, the way that birds protect and care for their young. Those who seek refuge under God's wings find satisfaction and protection from danger. We see this in Psalms 36, 63, 57, and 91. And this protection is exactly what Ruth is living out in chapter two. So Boaz sees Ruth's worth ethic and he rewards her for it. So it says, scripture says that she worked until evening and then Boaz gives her even more. He gives her an ephah, which is a unit of dry measure that is equal to about five gallons. So an ephah of barley would have weighed about 30 pounds. That's would be enough for Ruth and Naomi to live on for several weeks. Don't you just see the generosity upon generosity and the kindness in this chapter that God displays through Boaz? So in verse number 20, Naomi calls Boaz one of our redeemers. So since Boaz is from the same family as Elimelech, 
Naomi's late husband, he can act as a redeemer for Ruth and Naomi due to the provisions of the Leverite law. This was a great source of hope for Naomi and Ruth. So if Boaz took the opportunity to act as their redeemer, his responsibility would be to marry Ruth and he would provide offspring for Naomi. So the role of the of the redeemer, according to Leviticus 25 and 25, was to buy back land that was sold by kinsmen out of any economic need. So if they were poor and they had to sell off their land, a kinsman redeemer could buy that land back to keep it in the family so that that family would have something to live off of. So it was twofold. It had to do with marriage and land as well. So we're talking about land a lot in this book. The book of Ruth provides a link to the story of the covenant theme of land that we saw in Genesis chapter 12. So Ruth gets acquainted with the land by gleaning. She stays there till the end of the barley harvest, which we read in verse number 23 of chapter 2. Ruth was guaranteed work. She came in to glean and she didn't know if she was only going to be able to glean once for a week, but she was able to stay for the whole season. So God provided for these widows in ways that they would never have imagined. So remember, if a woman has no husband and no sons, it's going to be hard for her in the ancient Near East to provide for herself. But Boaz came and saw a need and he filled it for them by showing so much kindness, by not only letting her glean, until the end of the season, but then providing extra for her as well. This is just how good God is. So that's it for chapter two of our Ruth study. I love this chapter of Ruth. So just a reminder, if you haven't already, please subscribe. I drop a new episode every Monday. And I'd appreciate if you leave a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts. People read reviews and it does help them determine whether or not they want to push play and listen. Also, remember to buy the Bible study guide on Amazon.com if you haven't already. Harvest of Kindness, a Bible study of Ruth is the name of the Bible study workbook. And be sure to join me at 6 p.m. Pacific time. That's 9 p.m. Eastern time for a Facebook Live where we'll have a time of questions and connections in my Facebook group, Unfolding Words. So you can go to Facebook.com slash group slash unfolding words. You'll have to ask for permission to join the group, answer a few questions, and you'll be right in there. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at unfolding words and on Twitter at unfolding underscore words. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links and extra information that you may need. And that's it this week for the podcast. I hope you join me next week we'll be in chapter three of Ruth, where the plot thickens. Until then, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.